Welcome to a Heritage Christian Centre podcast. For more information, visit www.heritagecc.com.au. We hope this message blesses your life. Um, Today I want to talk about what's really important in life, uh, and that's recognising who Jesus is. We have it in the front and the back of our building connecting people to Jesus. Um, And Paul tells me in Scripture there are plenty of people out there who proclaim false Jesus. It's a different Jesus. And, and I just want to look. And last week I looked at Jesus as the bread of life. Today I want to look at Jesus who is God. Let me read John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Our light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And while the book of John does not contain a nativity account, it does put the nativity into context. It gives us a bigger picture, a larger perspective, because it goes on to verse 14 and says it this way. The word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who, became, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John testified concerning him, saying, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. See, verse 14 wraps this up very clearly. It sums up the whole incarnation of Christ In this sentence, the word, so the word of God, that pre-existent, eternal, the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God as he is began a revelation of his full and real nature to humanity in Christ. The whole of the Old Testament points to this reality. God in the past was bringing man on a recovery journey. We had lost this intimacy with God through Adam and then generations and then the flood and then generations. We had lost the revelation of who God was and is. And man started to identify God by his own ability. And then we have the writing of the Old Testament and men wrote things they thought that would be, this is what God would want and God breathed on it. It doesn't mean it was the end result that God wanted, but it was a progressive revelation, an increase of understanding of the nature of God. And the nature of God is then fully revealed in Jesus. And we have to read the Old Testament through Christ, and even the New Testament through Christ. It's this recovery, a reteaching of the truth of the goodness and kindness and love and mercy and grace of God progressively revealed through history to bring us to Jesus. The fullness of God manifest so we can see better. It was only partial through the Old Testament. Let me read 2 Corinthians 3. Therefore, since we have such hope, We use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not steadily look at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded for until this day. So Paul's talking about the present tense there. Until this day, that same veil 
remains unlifted, not just in the glory of God on Moses, but in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Everything in the Old Testament has to be read through Christ. Because if we don't read it through Christ, we have a veil. Our understanding is is not clear. We, we, people read the Old Testament without this revelation and they make it say things that's not intended to be said. They take a verse and context and out of its context and make it say strange things. We, we only see clearly and more spiritually clearly because of Jesus. And similarly, the New Testament must be read in the understanding that Jesus is the express image of God and God. We can look back and see but we can also see more now and see somewhat into the future because Paul tells me uh, the future is still a bit foggy. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. So Paul's even telling us, even with the veil lifted, there are things about the future we are not meant to know. We won't know until we get there, which is why I did this series on Revelation, because we don't know. It's foggy. It's not clear, and nor nor is it meant to be. But we can, with what we can see ahead, because of what we look at in the past. There's that song we sing that I, I, I know what tomorrow's like because I can trust his faithfulness in the past. There's this hope. And Titus, Paul writes to Titus in 2.13. He says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. See, see, here is Christ is his, in his very nature. He is God. And all the fullness of that essence is in him. And he is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of all honour. And in fact, if we fail to honour him, we fail to honour God. Listen, if we don't honour Christ as God, we dishonour God. Let me read you John 5, 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honour the Son just as, that phrase means identically, just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son... I put this in, means the same in the context, identically to the Father, does not honour the Father who sent him. This is a confronting and powerful statement and it's foundational to our Christianity. See, if, the Christ, we, if, if Christ is not someone we honour like the Father, if we don't identify Jesus as fully God and fully man, if we don't see him as fully God, then we dishonour the Father. See, if a religion's Jesus is just a prophet or a created being or the result of a God with a wife, uh, if any religion has a Jesus who, who at some point in the time in the past did not exist, then that's a different Jesus to the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is the eternally existent Word of God incarnate in flesh 
and ascended and is still eternal afterwards. So he's eternally past and eternally future and he's also very present and he's God. And so if we don't identify Jesus as God, we might be identifying what we think is the physical Jesus, but we're missing who he really is. We're not honouring the Father when we don't honour the Son. The Bible is clear in who we're called to believe in. And I believe in him. The one who is himself eternal and is part of the triune God who is God the Father, God the Word become the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three who are one and one who are three. This is a Jesus we're called to accept and receive as God come in the flesh to bring salvation and forgiveness, the one who is coming again, and we look forward with hope to his return. It's in and through him that we find forgiveness and transformation and restoration and is progressively transformed into the original image and likeness that we are created for. Paul tells the Colossians in Colossians 2, verse 6 and 8, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, not according to Christ, for in him, that's Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And if we believe that, and you are complete in him. Listen, if we believe that, then you are complete in him. So if we recognise Jesus as God, then the potential for us to be complete is right there. Yours and my fullness is intrinsically linked to knowing and believing that Jesus is God. It's only in that truth that we find all we need and all the potential God has installed or instilled in us. Hebrews 4 goes on and says this in verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast the confession. Now that just, confession is not a word that means my words then. It means my words, my action, my life. Hold fast to living for him. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin, Therefore, let us, lay us, let us come boldly to the throne of grace so we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're going to make mistakes at times and we're going to fail to resist temptation at times. But that's why we need a God who knows us personally, who knows what it's like, who knows the feelings of our infirmities, who knows the anguishes and pains and griefs of life, It's in that identifying with us that we find his mercy and grace comes to us because we can start to grasp that God actually knows what it's like. There's nothing worse than having a circumstance in your life and someone saying, oh, I know what it feels like. You know, who's ever had that inside you going, no, you don't, you don't have a clue. Anyone here? Or is it just me that has that? Uh, The rest of you are nicer than me. I'm a bit cynical when people say, I know what it's like. No, you don't. And even if you had the same experience, you wouldn't know how it feels for me. 
And so I, I, can, I can feel for you and I can in some measure understand that it's going to be painful and that it's going to be a battle and, and you won't get over it. Listen, you don't get over those things. You get stronger as you trust God and you learn how to live with that in your life. You don't get over it. The old saying, just get over it. You don't. Please get stronger by looking at Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Look at the one who has the capacity to know exactly what it's like. The one who has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. The one who left heaven to walk among us so that we could identify with him. That we, see, when, when I took on the youth pastor at Rockhampton, the pastor before me, great pastor, he's still there, a good friend. And, and uh, the young people would come to me and, and they would ask me questions and, and he would look at me and go, they never asked me those kind of questions. And, and I found out why. Because he would give them exactly the same answers I would because we're both trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. The difference was... He was a PK, a pastor's kid who really hadn't gone through those things. Now, I'm not saying some pastor's kids don't go through those things, but because of my background of of backsliding and turning my back on God for years and God rescuing me, because of my failed life, God had turned that into a point where people could identify with me and listen because they go, well, you've been there. Now, that doesn't mean the information is any better. And we should, as Christians, be mature enough to realise that when we go to a mature person, they should be hearing from God. They don't necessarily have to have the experiences. Would to God I didn't have them, but I saw how God turned it for good. Well, Jesus walked among us. God identified with you and me personally. It says in Hebrews 5, In those days of his flesh... When he offered up prayers and supplications with cries and tears and and he, he was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey. It wasn't that he wasn't perfect. It's just there was something that needed to be done to build a bridge so that he would have been perfect for us to identify with him. See, he chose to identify with us and walk among us and have our griefs and sorrows so that we could identify with him, that we could actually start to maybe grasp that we could actually draw near to God. It tells us when we understand that, we come to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace because God, you know what it's like. And Jesus brought this revelation to us that God came in the form of a man, in absolute humility, living in obedience and gave us an example to follow, but also that we could see in our messed up opportunities, our failed situations, in our rebellions and sometimes yielding to temptation, in the pains of life, God knows what it's like. See, it's not airy-fairy, pie-in-the-sky, some Spiro thing. It's real, painful, challenging, facing rejection, unjust criticism, suffering. This will happen to Jesus just for obeying God and living that way. He was patient, loyal, and faithful, and endured, 
and he had long suffering and he hoped. And in the midst of despair, he reached out in love and he was kind and he maintained his joy when happiness had no cause. Jesus was conceived out of wedlock from a lower class family, a refugee who escaped Egypt and finally came back, born and placed in a manger. Thrown, that manger was adjusted to become a crib, a rough start, probably a tradie, the carpenter. And he finally rose to become a rabbi with obvious spiritual authority who was despised by religious and political systems and eventually executed. I think he knows what it feels like. I think he has an understanding. He came. You know, if that's all you see, you miss the last point. Because at that point, he was just really good. But three days later, three days later, the revelation came to life when he rose from the grave that it really was God in the flesh. God who laid aside his deity to walk humbly among us so we could relate to him and ultimately be released when we realize that because of him, we have this relationship, this door that is opened. Love the musicians and singers to come. It's always more real when they go through the struggles. It's always more real to us when people have been through battles that we talk to when we're going through ours. It's that identifying process that God in Jesus reaches out to us. See, Christmas is the tangible revealing of this desire by God to identify with humanity so that we can have the opportunity to identify with him. It was a demonstration that God's heart is toward us, that his heart of peace on earth and goodwill toward men from him should be made known to all humanity. And this can only be real if Jesus is God, not just a prophet, not just a good man, not just a crazy, but if Jesus is God and God is Jesus and God is in Christ on the cross, then this is possible. God in the flesh. This baby in a manger is the same God in Christ on the cross who reached out to us. It's the same God in Christ who rose from the grave. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.19, sorry. That is that God was in Christ. This is the heart of God reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing, not counting their trespasses to them or against them. And has given us that same word of reconciliation. On the cross and in the cradle, it was God reaching out to us with love and mercy and grace. That's what Christmas is all about. God wants to identify with you. And he's done everything he can. Now he asks, will you identify with him? And will you let others know this good news? This good news the angels gave. That God's heart is peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. God's removed every barrier that would stop him loving us. It's up to us now to remove our barriers that stop us loving him. Let's pray. Lord, you alone are worthy of praise. You alone are worthy of adoration because you are God in the flesh. The Word of God, God the Word made flesh who 
He humbled himself and made his dwelling among us. A God who is omnipotent, omniscient. A God who is everywhere and knows everything, is all powerful. Who who put himself in a, a limited physical body and laid aside all of that to walk as a man to identify with us so we could identify with Him. A God who brought good news in a very tangible way to us when He died on a cross and rose from the grave and gave us hope for the days ahead, a hope in every grief, a joy in every sorrow, a destiny in the midst of hardship. When all our dreams fall and fail, You put a new dream in our heart. And I don't know where we are today individually, but I can tell you right now, God knows your feelings. He knows the feelings of your infirmities, whether they be situational or physical or financial or relational. God knows the pains of your heart. He's identified with you. Will you draw near to Him? Will you draw near and identify with the one who loves you? Will you give Him praise? Will you worship Him? Will you identify Jesus as God? Because He is.